Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner of Future Technology Podcasts with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used, or just around the corner, from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first in their covered wagons. They find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000 plus attendees, but we'll showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Future Tech Podcast. This is your host, Juliette Lamar, and I have on the phone line with Jay... I have Dror Oren, Product Officer and Co-Founder at Casisto, which is an AI company. I'm really excited to learn all about it. Welcome, Dror. Hey, thank you. It's, it's great to be here. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. So start us off about telling a little bit about what... Okay, so uh, we at Casisto um, do what we call conversational AI. So we basically help our customers, which are banks, uh, to create uh, virtual assistants and uh, chatbots and deploy them across uh, multiple channels. Um, we spun out of SRI International. SRI is Stanford Research Institute. It's the organization that started Siri and a bunch of others. They spun us out. We were born with a deep portfolio of, of technology from them um, and started working with banks. So, you know, we're working with some of the largest, most innovative banks in, in the world, helping them roll out virtual assistants. So am I talking to an AI right now? No, I, yeah. <laughs> the real, pe- real people behind, yeah, behind, yeah. I hope the AI would have been more articulate and, you know, concise and the answer. Absolutely not. This is so exciting. Um, how did you get started with yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting qu- question, actually. So, we, you know, we, we sometimes tell, you know, say that we are a, we're a 40-year-old company with, like, 40-year-old technology behind us. And the story is that we actually – so I used to work at SF Institute. I used to uh, be the executive director responsible for software spin-out. 
And, you know, we would spin out all kinds of like companies that are based on, you know, research that was done at SRI. Um, and then we worked on this big project um, that ended up being Casisto. It really stemmed from uh, some work that SRI did with one of the largest banking groups in the world called BBVA out of Madrid. Um, and we worked on that, and that was after series spun out. And, and you know, we, have, we had this context, context that, or this concept that, you know, there's, there's an enterprise play here in, in conversational AI. And as a reminder, we're talking about 2014 or 2013. This is before, you know, Cortana and Alexa and Google Now and, you know, all this hype thing here. This was very early days. Only Siri was out there. Uh, but we thought that there's a way to bring technologies into, into an enterprise kind of like uh, play. So we started working on it, you know, within SRI. And then I recruited the CEO and he recruited to come, you know, join him so we can spin out together. And we recruited our you know, our other founding members, our CTO and our COO, and we hit the road and started the company. Wow. This is such a big task, seeing something human. What is some of the architecture, the technology behind it? Yeah, that's that's a great uh, question, and I agree with you. It is a very hard task. Um, there's different ways to kind of, like, tackle the question. I think, you know, first thing is um, I think you need to understand kind of, like, you know, where the technology is good at and, and what it's less good at. Uh, you know, we're not purists in the sense that, you know, yes, we offer very deep, maybe the deepest, you know, in the industry conversations. Um, but we also we also want to make sure that uh, the, the expectations are aligned, and we're applying this technology where it, where it, you know, makes sense and brings value that's measurable. So, you know, uh, one of the things you have to do is set the expectations, right? You want to make sure the customers know, you know, what this system or what this virtual assistant is good at. It's not generic. It's not going to answer every question. It's going to answer questions that are, you know, about banking. You know, that's what we do. So that, that's one thing. I think the other thing to be very aware of is the data that's required in order to, you know, deploy systems like that in a really a successful way. So when we work with banks, you know, we want, we make sure that they have uh, all the right data to, you know, to give good answers. I'll give you an example, right? I mean, uh, in banking, in our, you know, in our world, we park conversations like, you know, how much have I spent on Uber this year and last year? Or, you know, tell me next time I'm spending more than $100 on restaurants. Or, you know, remind me next time, you know, my credit card is... There's a lot of data that's required, you know, to power this conversation. And if you don't have this data and the bank kind of like, you know, is not aware of that, uh, you know, it's hard to provide these like real experiences. And, and the last thing I would say, you know, rolling out these systems is just the beginning of the of the road. I mean, you roll out system, it's actually starting to be easier to deploy kind of like, you know, a bot, a chat bot. There's, there's a bunch of frameworks out there. But this is just the beginning because, you know, you don't know what you don't know. You don't know what people are actually going to ask until you put this, you know, text box or, or microphone in front of them and then they start asking whatever they want. And, you know, th th these systems are only really good if they're able to very quickly adapt to what people are asking, to identify, you know, what people are asking, to identify where the system is right or wrong, is doing well or not doing well, and then train it very, very quickly on the stuff that, you know, it can do better. So, you know, I'll give you an example, another example, you know, in our world, you know, and we work with, with banks like, you know, Wells Fargo and MasterCard and TD Bank in Canada and DBS in Singapore. And, you know, when, when we started rolling out some of these systems, you start seeing things, again, that you did not accept, expect. For example, when Zelle was, you know, rolled out, right? I mean, nobody really knew what Zelle was and people started asking, you know, what's Zelle? Can I pay with Zelle? 
this is this you know this payment system here and very quickly we identified that you know Zelle is something that people are asking about and went back to our customers and said you know you need to train the systems to support Zelle understand what it is and you know and add more content to that and very quickly you know the system started you know started getting better better at that. so I think part you know part of this is you want to align the expectation but you also want to get really really good very very fast exactly and you want to get it fast but also having knowledge AI or industry knowledge. yes yes absolutely and one of the things we're very proud of is that you know our uh, platform which is called Kai so I refer to it but you know we call it Kai access to AI that's some of our platform um, comes ready out of the box with a bunch of what we call intents or conversations that are working out of the box so you know the fact that we were born from you know this SRI spin out and project that SRI did before and the fact that we're live in production with multiple banks allow us to train to pre-train these systems um, to understand almost everything around them so you know Kai comes ready out of the box with anything about account transaction payments and you know all these questions are you know are, are are kind of like you know pre-ready and that's exactly what you were talking about right you need to kind of like have this uh, knowledge and understanding of the world that you're operating with and that enables us to, to incrementally get better if there's something specific that the board doesn't know then we identify that you know train the train the system and introduce it quickly smart bots you know they're giving uh you can chat with bank accounts debt with your money all that stuff chat is that correct yeah Wow. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Yeah. So we, I mean, it's, it, you know, there's, there's different types of systems out there. What, you know, we uh, do usually is, you know, we deploy systems that are real virtual, you know, banking virtual assistants completely. So, you know, one of our customers, DBS, is, so that's, you know, one of the largest banks in Singapore and one of, one of the largest in Asia in general, it's called the DBS. We rolled out, uh, rolled out with them uh, two years ago, actually. Um, and, and they started, you know, kind of like the first version that they rolled out was a full-blown banking virtual assistant with, you know, anything that you can ask about your accounts and transactions and payments. They allowed, you know, person-to-person payments, uh, thousands of questions about your account, you know, everything, you know, in the same in the same assistant. You know, some banks used to roll out more gradual, you know, and, and start with kind of like, you know, smaller tasks and then grow the more you kind of like get used to it. You know, for our systems, it doesn't matter. They're built to really scale. And, you know, you, you can and you have out there systems that are, that really allow everything that I just talked about, you know, from banking to, you know, payments, from, you know, Q&A, customer support, including handover to a live agent if, if you need, you know, the whole gamut. Wow. And so this is access, um, single users, like say myself, I can access this technology as well as large banks can offer this technology to their customers. Yeah, so the way the way we are structured and our business model is that we are an enterprise company and we sell to the banks. So, you know, we do not offer a consumer bot. You know, you cannot go and just download, you know, our technology and play with it or use it. You can only do it if your bank deployed it. So if your bank deployed it, you know, you'll get access, you know, in the context that, that the bank decided. We were kind of like, you know, in the early days of the company, we were kind of like, you know, thinking on whether we want, you know, to do a, a consumer offering or go only to the banks and decided there's multiple reasons. But, you know, the main reasons is that, you know, we think it's better, given that the bank have the customers and they have all the data, it's probably a better uh, value proposition to offer these services through the banks 
that can really give high value, again, with all the data and the services, then trying to offer it directly to the consumer, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of barriers with access to this data. And so wow. So not to it, mention with... that banks also can, can pay for it. Exactly. It's a good Exactly. So this is such an advanced technology and definitely the way of the future. What are some of the challenges that you've encountered and what are the steps you're taking to fix those challenges? Yeah. So I think, uh, you know, very early on, it was really hard to kind of like convince, you know, the banking industry that this will become mainstream, right? That talking to a virtual assistant is going to be something that everybody, you know, will feel comfortable with and just bring value. This is becoming less of a challenge as we go, you know, as just the industry and the world is evolving, right? Because now, you know, people are getting used to talking to Alexa and Siri and Google Now and whatever, Cortana and all these. So that's becoming less of a challenge. I think there's still some challenges around, you know, A, changing the behaviors of users. So kind of like, you know, setting the expectation and making sure that the users understand that you can get, you know, sometimes better service and better experience, you know, through a virtual assistant than you will with, you know, with a person. And, you know, different users react to it differently. You know, some people prefer, you know, the human touch doesn't matter what. But I mean, my grandmother will always go to her branch. You are probably not going to be convincing her that talking to a bot will give her, you know, the same service. Uh, but some people, you know, uh, I think another challenge, and that's more of an enterprise kind of like, you know, software type of challenges. Um, you know, uh, banks need to be ready with the right data and the right kind of like agility to deploy this. So, you know, I, I was mentioning use cases like, you know, how much have I spent on restaurants, right? The banks need to have the data organized in a way that we can easily access and, and in this case, categorize, right? What is a restaurant, right? The data needs to to be to be categorized. So, so there's the banks need to be ready to kind of like you know go to prime time and have all the right infrastructure in place. Um, and again, it was a little more challenging beginning. Now, uh, for multiple reasons, banks are you know uh, are moving ahead with that. Some of these reasons are that you know they offer this kind of like data um, in other use cases as well. Some of it is actually regulations. There's some regulations, especially in Europe, but it's starting to touch in the US that makes the bank you know offer their data and make it more available and, and that's you know reflecting uh, on, on our ability to work much more quickly with the bank. Absolutely. Um, my next question would be about security. So when you have an AI system that's helping you, is it more or less secure than people and <laughs> and your and your technology in general when implementing that and banks their information with the app so that you can access it, you know, what are all those security concerns and progress on your hand? Yeah. So, um, yeah, obviously security is, is a big deal for banks and, you know, all the banks that are just are very risk averse, you know, they, they want to make sure that, that you know, the security of their users and of their facilities is not affected and, and that's the case. But there's a few elements. First of all, uh, the interaction with our virtual assistants are as secure as any other uh, interaction on, on the bank's assets, right? So if you are interacting with a virtual assistant on, you know, the bank's website or on the bank's app, it's as secure, you know, as, as any other thing you're doing on the app. We are working kind of like with the bank and we're getting, you know, tokens from them. So, you know, it's as secure. Um, so that's one element. The other element is really around kind of like uh, the data and the access to the data. Again, we are part of the bank's system. Uh, we have multiple deployment models, including completely on-premise, you know, where everything is basically within the premise of the bank, or, you know, it could be somewhat on the cloud, but again, it's based on the bank's policies and, and uh, 
you know, their appetite to different deployment models, and we're as secure as any other service that, that the bank offers. I would say there, there's some interesting elements around consistency, and, and I think you were kind of like implying, you know, sometimes getting an answer from a virtual assistant actually can be much more accurate, right? I mean, if I was asking something, so think about it in, in the context of, you know, trading, for example, or, you know, there, there are no human errors. Not, there are no humans in some of these interactions. So you can actually have benefits from less errors um, it's also much easier uh, to archive and search and keep. So there's there's some consistency involved in it that actually calls for better um, sort of you know consistency and and uh, uh, kind of like yeah I mean the ability to really be more compliant right with regulations because you're dealing with with robots and not with you know people that are prone to to human errors. Exactly, the the computing speed. And accuracy, humans are never going to be able to like, have the same level of intelligence that AI is going to have access to super fast for things like crunching numbers, going through your electronic bank statements, all of that. So what do you feel like yeah. is the future of this industry, of, of AI in general and AI within your company? Yeah, so that's, yeah, that's an, another good question, I think. So there, there's, there's, you know, different uh, sort of elements there. So, you know, definitely... Uh, we're going to see uh, more and more data being collected, and that will make you know these experiences much better and, and more and much deeper. And you know, deeper. I mean, you know, uh, deeper conversations. You know, people are going to feel more comfortable with using those assistants as do engines and not only as search engines, right? I mean, they'll be making more payments. So, so that's one angle around it. Deeper, kind of like you know. Conversations. I think the other thing we're we're already seeing is uh, if kind of like the obvious implementation was around customer support, like kind of like you know basically deflecting calls from the call center. We're now seeing that yes, this is happening, but more and more of them are actually understanding that there's context that can be uh, used for upsell and revenue generation. So the moving kind of like up the value chain from customer support to to revenue generation to making you know new um, opportunities, right? Because, I mean, if you think about it, you know, one of the reasons people are calling, you know, customer support in the bank is, for example, to ask to waive a fee or, you know, complain about, you know, let's say, you know, I just got back from, you know, a trip to Ireland and my card was charged, you know, foreign fee. You know, I called the bank to complain about it. And yes, the bank needs to do something about it. And it, it also costs them money to serve me, to service me because I'm just talking to a person. But it's also an opportunity, right? Maybe it's an opportunity to offer me to apply for a no foreign credit card, right? So, so utilizing these opportunities for upsells is definitely a second trend that we're seeing kind of like in the industry. I think the, the other trend that we're going to start seeing more and more uh, around that, and that's kind of like, you know, a little more futuristic is you're going to start having more than one assistant. You know, you might have, in our world, you know, every bank will have an assistant, and maybe you'll have your personal assistant and your scheduling assistant, and kind of like, you know, in the long term, these assistants will start interacting between them, right? Maybe, you know, I have a travel assistant, you know, I'm, I'm planning travel, and as part of my travel planning, my travel assistant lets my banking assistant know that I'll be traveling, so I need, you know, to set a travel alert, or I need hmm. to buy... You know, yeah, I need to buy, you know, foreign currency because I'm going to Asia. So my travel assistant will negotiate with my 
scheduling assistant to know when I'm traveling, and this will negotiate with my uh, banking assistant to kind of like you know to order whatever you know yen so that I can travel. So having this kind of like world in which we have more than one assistant um, is starting to be interesting. And 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 realistically, this is already happening if you think about it, right? I mean, we all have not all, but you know, a lot of us have Alexa, and we have Google Assistant, and you know, so and they, they are seeing different parts of our data. And the day in which, you know, they can kind of like, you know, work things out between themselves is, is not far. So that's, uh, that's kind of like a longer term, but it's definitely going to come. Yes. I, I love it when my Google Assistant <clears throat> tells me when to leave for work or when my upcoming flight is or it suggests restaurants. I already think that is a really great thing that it's doing. Um, as far as the conversational part of the AI, verbal and through text, how do you make it more conversational? I guess what is the speed of learning? You know, like how quickly do they do they learn and adapt? And B, are you adding in, especially with the voice, certain things that make it more personable? Yeah. So we um, so there are two sides to it, right? I mean, what, typically in the industry, you know, there's a separation between what is called the NLP or NLU, the natural language understanding or natural language processing, which this is the part that's really responsible for understanding you. You know, when you say something, it's trying to understand what you just said. And then there's mm-hmm. a part that's called NLG, that's the natural language generation, and that's a part that, you know, kind of like, you know, communicates back to you, either speaking to you or, you know, texting you or whatever. And in the middle, in our case, there's, you know, component that we call reasoner or reasoning that's really responsible for the dialogue management, for deciding what to say next, or, you know, what to ask you. So, you know, I think one of the, the first question you ask is, you know, how do you make it better? Uh, we were kind of like born with a really, really deep uh, stack of technology around NLP, you know, that really, uh, you know, state of the art, we have, you know, called the hypothesis, kind of like uh, the, we're using some kind of like, you know, hypothesis around what you're going to be saying and trying to kind of like you know, understand you and, and getting to really high accuracy on understanding you. But that's not enough, right? I mean, talking back to you and more than that, keeping the context is really hard. So I'll give you an mm-hmm. example. Right? If, you, if you go to Siri, and you say something like, uh, I'm looking for, I mean, I'm looking for a bank branch around here. Right? Tell me which banks are around here. She will, will do a good job at, at the first part, at the natural language understanding. It will, it will probably understand what you just said. And it will give you a list, you know, of bank branches around here. The problem is that once it gave that to you, it completely forgets all about it. You know, so if you then follow up with something like, you know, which of them is open now or which of them has a Spanish teller or has a deposit box, Siri has complete amnesia. It doesn't know what you're talking about, and it will probably go back and say something like, what do you mean, you know, deposit box, or default to a Google search. Because the way it's structured, it's really structured for a one utterance kind of conversation. It's structured to get one request, give you the best answer it can, and move on. The way we, and, and by the way, you know, this is not criticism about Siri, Alexa, and Google Now are designed the same way, right? Alexa doesn't have context. You can ask follow-up questions, not say, you know, Alexa, Alexa, pay me a lullaby, uh, uh, play me a lullaby, and then come back and say, you know, hey, can you play me another one from, you know, this, this, you know, artist you just played? It doesn't get it because it forgot all about like what it just played, right? When it came back, Casisto um, mm-hmm. Kai designed to maintain this context. So and and that's what and again that's tied to your question. That's my, what makes the conversation much more conversational. So if you go, you know, even if we use the same example that I used on Siri, right? If you go to Kai and you say, uh, you know, 
I'm looking for bank branches around here. It will obviously understand you and give you bank branches. But then if you go and say, you know, which of them is open now or which of them, whatever, has Spanish teller, it gets you. It will say, yeah, you know, here are the ones that have bank, have bank teller. Or if you go and you say something like, you know, I want to pay, you know, Juliet $20 for dinner yesterday. And then you follow it up and you say, actually, you know, make it 40 because, you know, whatever. I forgot it was more. Or maybe something like... Uh, Actually, I don't know if I can afford it. How much do I have in my account before I'm making this payment? Kai will hold the content and will continue the conversation and get kind of like, you know, that you are just not talking linearly. And that's what makes it really conversational. But it's very hard to do. You know, that's why our, you know, that's, that's where our technology shines. Well, that's incredible. And, and like you said, it's almost as if you're talking to a person because they are taking in all the information. They're thinking about it. They are holding on to previous facts. And that's one of our main features of human communication. So that's quite incredible. You seem to be good at, at appreciating how how good we as humans are in holding this context. For, for most people, it's kind of like people think that it's obvious that we know how to hold context and get in and out of conversations, but it's actually pretty hard to do. You, you kind of like seem to appreciate it. And that's what makes that that's what's making these systems, you know, good and what differentiates it. But sorry, I interrupted you. With, oh. Oh, absolutely. And you see it even, it's even hard for some people to hold conversations well and to be focused and pay attention while conducting a conversation. So trying to make a machine do that is, is astronomically difficult. So I applaud you for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and uh, and what one, is, another thing, just to throw in another kind of like angle to the I mean, think about different channels, right? I mean, when you were talking and you were asking before about like, you know, voice channels, like a little home and texting, right? I mean, people interact in different ways on different channels. And again, the way we design Kai is that it's multi-channel or we actually call it opti-channel. So it, it actually knows to identify which channel you are on, uh, but it also knows kind of like, you know, the differences between the channels. So it can actually give you different information and different types of interactions based on the channel. So for example, you know, if you ask a question that has, you know, a lot of data involved, like, you know, I, if you ask something like, you know, uh, how much have I spent on Uber last week and you want to see the breakdown, it will say, you know, I just sent you the breakdown to, you know, your email or I just sent you the breakdown to Facebook Messenger because on Alexa, it's not a good thing. Like, I don't want to show you a lot of information on Alexa. It just doesn't make sense. Or, you know, you can tell Alexa, you know, Alexa, ask Kai to tell me when I'm spending more than $100 on coffee this week. And Alexa will say, no problem, you know, but it will actually tell you that in another channel because Alexa cannot just wake up and tell you something. So kind of like mm -hmm. being aware of the channel, being aware of, you know, of the of different types of communication and channeling these conversations between channels is also, you know, hard to do. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So how, what is the best way for people to learn more about your company and for banks and other clients to get your software? Well, uh, go to casista.com. <laughs> And you reach out to us. We think we're pretty lucky to have, you know, some of the most innovative and, and you know, fast-moving financial um, organizations working with us. You know, from I mentioned Wells Fargo and Mastercard, TD, and you know, Standard Chartered and DBS. So, you know, in the industry, I think people know about us, but we're you know always happy to work with additional customers. And you know, just Casisto.com and you know, check us out. There's a lot of materials out there, and we'll be happy to talk. Absolutely. So that is K-A-S-I-S-T-O dot com. Dor, thank you so much for joining me today. This has been really inspiring and also very eye-opening. 
Thank you. It was a pleasure. Thanks for asking such good questions. <laughs> Absolutely. Hopefully we'll have you on again soon. Thank you. Well, this has been Juliette Lamar for Future Tech Podcast. Our guest today was Doris Boren, the Chief Product Officer and Co-Founder at Assisto. Thanks so much for tuning in. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first in their covered wagons. They find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000-plus attendees, but will showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.